Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Sean Martin with ITSP Magazine, and I'm flying solo today. No Marco Cipelli joining me, uh, so it's just me and a guest having a good chat about App UX, and that is Morali Palanasami. Thanks for joining me, Morali. Yep, great to be here, Sean. Thanks for having. And uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. We we had a brief introduction to the company as part of our RSA conference coverage. So for folks who missed that, uh, I encourage you to catch the now on-demand live stream that we did with the team. And we got a sneak peek into what AppUX does. Uh, we're going to take a deeper dive today, understand why it was founded, who it was found for, what problems it solves, why it's unique, and maybe some, some uh, use cases that we can help folks relate to. And uh, before we get to there, though, Morali, let's uh, learn a little bit about you and your journey to join and be part of AppUX first. Yep, sure. Um, yeah, so my my career started primarily in the in the banking and financials, uh, starting with Citibank, Merrill Lynch, and Bank of America. Uh, so in my previous role, I was part of the architecture engineering team. Uh, my role there was to look at uh, internal business problems, identify vendor solutions, and then architect them, put them together, and then hand it off to the design or deployment team to implement it. Uh, so as part of that role, uh, you know, I've seen my, uh, you know, seniors and my uh, executives, uh, my CTO, uh, there was a pre precursor to this. Uh, this was pre-cloud days where, you know, when, it, it was hardware that you, every project that require compute, you literally have to procure the hardware, rack it, stack it, install it with a disk, and then configure it. And it's it's a long drawn, 15 day process, right? And there were like a ton of people doing that, right? So the, the, the pre-cloud days, what we did is we brought in a project called Stateless, where the, the OS, was not on the hardware. So the OS was in a filer and then it would remote boot the, the remote boot from the top of the rack and it would inventorize it, it, the, the hardware. If you power it on, it will automatically boot and then it will say, I am this hardware with this much CPU, this much memory RAM, and I'm ready, you tell me what to do. And the user can then go select the hardware, select the OS, select the components and say, provision and it will provision the whole thing in 30 minutes 30 minutes to an hour that was revolutionary at the time because you know what used to take 15 days was now uh, you know 30 minutes or, or an hour and right now it's it's nothing because you go to aws spin up an ec2 in, in minutes and all that but at that time it was huge now we had to bring in or, or set it up in the data center so what uh, our CTO then did was work with different vendors, uh, NetApp and HP and Cisco and all that, and say, I want it in this configuration. So you, you set it all up and then uh, you, you, 
you you literally sell it as to as a skew right all we do is connect power and network and then we have the inventory up and running we're able to use it right and because we built this give it to me at a discount you can go sell it and build this right that way one i am getting the early advantage uh, early adapter uh, benefit two there is somebody supporting it and running it uh, and, and maintaining it for me and then I, I get to use that at a better price. So that was an interesting uh, thought process, interesting business model. Uh, you know, that, that I was part of that core team which built that automation uh, per se. Post that, we had uh, another business challenge. So I thought it would make sense to take a similar approach. Uh, and then I reached out to F5 and, and they referred me to some other company and, and uh, long story short, I reached out to my friend Anand and said, there is this problem and you know, can you fix it for us? Right? Can you build the product and fix it for us? And that's how this journey with AppUX started. And then you know, things moved on where the, the problem was primarily started with F5, managing F5s, providing an application perspective view or in other words, application perspective management of infrastructure components. It started with F5, expanded into uh, CERT, because when the moment you start looking at uh, F5s, F5s is where sort of sits in between network and application. Now, it, it, the consumers of F5 are the application team, right? But the setup is done by the infrastructure team or the network team. So providing that application perspective view enables a lot better understanding, maintenance and management of that particular hardware. So the goal at that time was to build an application perspective way of managing the infrastructure, including FI, WAF, ASM policies, firewalls and whatnot. So that's how the journey started. And once we were able to implement that, that became really successful. It became one of the strategic uh, tools. And then there was pretty much a, a good interest in the market. And then I jumped over uh, to the other side to help build that. And what we saw was once we manage a file, the next logical extension was the certificates because every application team wants to manage the certificates, but they have no clue how to do it and whatnot. Yes, there is a PKI team which manages it, uh, and, and there is a security team or whatnot, but the application team are the ones who are consuming it, but they don't know how it is set up or where it is set up, or, or they don't have the know-how of it. And same thing on the security side, right? Uh, so the application uh, is involved in the security, but then they use a lot of shared services. They use a lot of firewalls, web application firewalls, which is typically part of the infrastructure team. Now, a lot of things have changed with the cloud where you have segmentation, there are the whole infrastructure is set up per application nowadays, right? With the, with the virtualization, with the zero trust and whatnot. But having that visibility, having that way of managing and configuring and looking at the drift and compliance in the, in, in the, with the perspective of security, that was huge. And that is how this journey started. And as the name suggests, AppUX, it's 
application perspective view and x is the mathematic x which is the infrastructure anything in that infrastructure and that's how the the journey started and and uh, i think uh, the journey is continuing in, in a lot of ways and the industry is is also uh, aligning to that perspective with the devsecops devops uh, and and all these trends uh, that we see here that's uh, fabulous and uh, i appreciate that the backstory to the to the the initial founding and i wanted to maybe get your thoughts on kind of the vision i mean when marketing and branding is one thing building a product is another thing bringing it to market successfully is another actually having customers buy it and be successful with it is another thing and oftentimes the early stages of that um can almost box an organization in and it sounds like you have had a view that clearly was rooted in on-prem and, and hardware and was able i'll say easy but was able to pivot and transition to cloud and containers and and a world of machine to machine where perhaps even humans aren't even involved so how how did the team set the vision to enable that to happen yeah so, so when i spoke about the story right and when i spoke about the application perspective the app view story the, that story has evolved and the cloud has actually accelerated the transition so it was not like a complete pivot for us from what we used to do in on prem to cloud it was a natural movement natural adoption because the industry is moving that way right and we we saw that the industry is moving that way uh, when we when we started working on on prem because the whole infrastructure right is built or set up for applications to consume right and so when we call when we talk about applications it's the it's the end user or the end use case that is the application that is consuming that infrastructure now unless you know how that but that the application operations team or the, uh, the that particular uh, app teams if they don't know how that infrastructure is set up it becomes it's literally literally a black box for them right so the whole movement about devops or or full stack developers and devsecops is is focused to enabling the infrastructure to support that application and that's what cloud is doing as well the cloud is all about bringing that agility to the application team so that they don't have to wait or the infrastructure is not is an enabler for them is not something that is uh, uh, holding them back with the agile methodologies and all the uh, the faster uh, time to market abilities now with app ux it enables them it adds that uh, to to their tool set to get to that value quicker and then able to see see it's primarily enabling app development whether it's on prem cloud or container right and then to provide an access management to that particular application and then manage the the the, the identities right the machine identities end to end and providing them a single view right a single pane view across their application and that was the vision that we started and it perfectly aligns with the cloud migration the container migration 
and the zero trust uh, adoption capabilities and whatnot. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So who who is the, it sounds like they're clearly when you start to get into AppSec and DevOps and DevSecOps and identity, there's a lot of teams involved and a lot of things. So how, how does this uh, coordinate efforts across those different functions in a way that brings them together versus perhaps, uh, yeah, causing causing some chaos or lack of continuity, perhaps. Yeah, and, and that is where, you know, uh, uh, my experience in the financials uh, and regulated industry, uh, you know, really helps because there is literally no silver bullet to solve this problem, right? Because each organization is different. They have different silos, different teams running different systems and all that. And in most cases, the challenge is it's less technical and more political uh, when, when you're talking about a unified management. And that is exactly where we built the ability of the, the platform in a way that you can federate access, where you can still define the policy, define the control, the diff different silos, different teams, the security team, the, the, the global information security team, the, the CISOs, uh, and whatnot. So they define the policy and the application team consumes the policy, right? They are able to uh, implement the policy, what has been defined across the enterprise. And that is, an, that, that's, we are able to enable that using that platform. And we are able to solve, and, and that is why we have been a lot more successful in the regulated industries because there is quite a bit of process involved, right? To see, application team wants to be, wants to get things done quickly, right? They want to be agile, they want to develop and they want to go to market like, like as soon as possible. But then there are set of process that is needed for regulated industries to follow, like ITSM, change management, change windows. And especially in banking and finance, there is only set number of change windows in, in a year. Now, how do you, how do you sort of support the application agility with the regulations, uh, the regulatory requirements that are there? And that is where if you give them abilities to automate and implement and give that control, right? So you're defining the policy, you say this is how it should be, and you're you're letting those silo teams to, to define what is needed and give the key to press the button to the application team, then they can call the shots. They have the power to pull the trigger, but they don't have the capability to reload, right? All that setting is done by the, the individual teams and the app team sort of consumes it. And that has given a pretty good uh, uh, control, or rather balance of control, right? Where you decide what you want to give and what you want to control. And that solves the, the political problem and the technical aspect as well, right? Because it sort of enables uh, both the teams to, to do their stuff and able to get uh, to uh, market quicker. Yeah, there's always the, the, the political, uh, always the, the operational segmentation that, that's different everywhere, regardless of the underlying technology, right? You might use technology based on how things line up. But over time, that changes as well. How do you, um, 
when you say define policies and, and enable control and give give uh, developers a button to push, can you walk through that scenario for me? Because um, I can I can yeah, picture I defining what the infrastructure looks like and maybe hardening it and ensuring it's up to date with patches and some of that in the policy and and I don't do you get into the app view for for uh, what components are being used and how it's configured. So kind of talk to me through the policy and the controls and what, what does it mean when the engineer actually pushes the, the button to say go? Yeah, so, so the, the, the way the platform works is the, the, the individual security teams, right, or, or the ADC teams or the, uh, the firewall teams uh, or even the, the crypto teams, they define how the enterprise uh, uh, policy needs to be so they templatize it, and they would they can say you know uh, bronze, gold, silver, platinum, whatever type of service, and they define as these are the different options they we offer you. If you pick this, you get to do get it done within thirty minutes. If you take the standard process, it's done in thirty minutes. If you take a non-standard process, it takes five hours or whatever, right? Then people sort of gravitate towards a more standardized and more agile approach. And with that, they are able to uh, uh, rather streamline them or rather uh, herd them to a, a, a way, a standardized way of doing things. Now, you don't have to enable 100 million options, right? You give them maybe 10 options, five options, whatever that, that appetite is for that particular organization. And you tell them, this is how you can do it. You are basically dictating or defining how, if you take certificates, right? These are the five ways you can securely request certificate and deploy it on your endpoint. Now, they get to pick any one of those five, right? You can select anything you want as long as it fits this in these five things, right? Then it makes it a lot more easier, right? It, uh, otherwise, you know, everybody would want, if you go to a restaurant, if there is unlimited customization, you will want this and that, and then, you know, add-ons and all those things. But then there is only five things to choose. It makes it a lot more easy, right? You can, all you can eat, but you can eat these five things in there. And that is- Can, you, can you give me an example of, maybe not all five, but maybe just the two examples for the cert, just to kind of paint a picture for us, what, what one yeah. might include versus a different one. Yeah, so see, if you, if you look at a certificate, uh, uh, typical enterprise that is requesting for a certificate, right? The, the way they would have normally done is they would have gotten and generated a CSR, submitted it to the CA, gotten the certificate in an email, taken it, deployed it into an end device manually, and they could use different type of uh, uh, endpoints. They could have used a, a JKS a key store, um, or uh, KDB, whatever different uh, key stores they might use. Now, the way we would uh, standardize this, you tell us where you want the certificate to be, which, let's say, let's take Linux, for example. In your Linux server, where do you want the certificate to be? What type of certificate do you need? Right? Or what type of search store you want to need? You want it as a JKS format, a PEM format, whatever format. You tell me the location, you tell me the format, and you tell me the certificate CN. These are the three things you give me. 
everything else you don't have to worry about it because it's 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 not like 90% or 99% of the application teams don't care what type of certificate it is whether it's an ev certificate or a domain validated certificate uh, any of those right they want a trusted certificate and this is their cn and this is the device and they want to use it if they give me those three information i would give them let's say for example they want a java key store we would basically generate a java key store with the certificates and keys in there and deploy it into that end device so that it's fully automated right and they got what they want there is no human involvement a human didn't generate the the key and he see when a human generates the key you don't know whether he generated it on his laptop on on uh, you know on his personal machine and then gen, uh, right copied it over and what not right so this one put it in github <laughs> yeah yeah github or whatever right so this one everything is synchronized and you can be rest assured that to that end point the key was securely generated or deployed uh, and secured and that's the standard way of doing it now it could be that's a that's, a, that's an, an average security if you want a, a, an enhanced security high assurance right you can even decide to use a hsm right and say this is the hsm i want to use this location and this is a certificate then we would basically set that up configure it so that the device talks to the hsm and generates a certificate that can be fully automated now it, like that if you have medium assurance high assurance uh, right all you know things like that you can define that as an a la carte and then they pick that and once they pick it it is automated and deployed same thing with cloud if they you decide to use amazon uh, aws acm or azure key vault and they say okay this is what the certificate i want this, this is the acm and this is my uh, uh, you know tenant info and all that then we would basically can orchestrate it and deploy it and that simplifies it automates it and then the power is in the application team to request and deploy but then the control of what the parameters is in the security team they define what needs to be done what parameters what algorithms to use right what key types to use what key lengths to use all that is controlled and that is an enterprise decision that's not an application decision the application decision is what type or what 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 certificate cn is needed what service name is needed this type of thing and can you also set based on the type of application if it's if it's heavily finance financially oriented or or if it's just a partner portal with no money transferring you might have different risk levels and therefore different options exactly. for for devs right exactly and that's what that's that's the tiers that you can mm-hmm. define right whether you want the platinum tier of security or you know like super secure secure high 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 secure medium secure whatever so internally you can name the offerings so that the application team picks the right one to consume and deploy and based on the selection you can define how you are securing the key store or how you are securing the keys or how you are securing the policy all of that can be defined by the the enterprise security team 
right? And same same thing goes to the firewalls, same thing goes to the uh, ADCs, F5s, and web application firewalls and all that. There are certain parameters that the application team can tweak or change, and there are certain parameters that the enterprise security team or enterprise infrastructure team has to change. Now, there is a good balance if both of them have the right knobs and they use them responsibly. And that's, that seems to be the key, obviously, um, hence, the, hence the, uh, the platform and the solution. Um, but just the, I mean, without this, they would either choose to do nothing, right? Don't bother protecting it or forget the cert, or if they care, they'll try to do the cert. And, and we all know how difficult that can be, right? So procuring it and managing it and tuning it and configuring it can be a real pain. So automating that even just all on its own is, is a huge thing. Yeah. See, uh, what, what we have seen customers do, either they give a lot of control to the app teams because you know they cannot restrict them. And then the app teams decide what they want to do with it. And then there is a, a reactive audit done to see if they are following the process and whatnot. Or they have a lot more restrictive controls, right? And security, in my opinion, should be should be an enabler because the moment you put a lot more controls, people will try to find shortcuts. So if for an app team, right, if there is restrictive controls and they're able to not able to do a lot of the standard things that they would want to do, they would try to use self-signed certificates. And the moment they start doing that, whether it is dev or non-fraud, UAT, whatever, it seeps in into the organization. And then there is a culture of using self-signed certificate as an acceptable culture. So it's, it's, it's important that we enable the app teams, but at the same time secure the environment. And, and once we do that, then we have a successful uh, partnership in getting the, uh, the, the whole enterprise secure. So your, your background is, is rooted in finance and you mentioned a lot of success in, in regulated industries like finance. And it's easy to see where perhaps a mature organization might have a mature security program and have a pretty solid view of how to manage AppSec and DevOps together as part of that. Um, how do you see some of the non-regulated industries picking this up? Where is, where is the success coming for them? Where they, they may not have the compliance driver behind them, but they still need the, the security parts of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think with with, uh, with this whole pandemic, right? See, one thing I keep telling is the cloud migration made the data center perimeter disappear. The, the pandemic made the retail office space, the, re, the retail location uh, or the, 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 the employees uh, location disappear. Right now people are in a hybrid work model where pretty much they could be anywhere. They could be sitting in the middle of a desert and then still working as well or middle of a mountain and whatnot. Now, when both these happen, when the perimeter is slowly blurring, the security becomes the, the center focal point. And when we talk about security, what are we securing now, right? The identity becomes the, the core or the center of security. 
right? The identity would mean human identities and also machine identities, because you you have to trust the machines talking to each other and humans talking to those machines as well. Now, even in the non-regulated industries, they are also looking at security as the core. And, and again, you, there are so many articles out there which, which talks about cybersecurity being, uh, it, it's, if, if it was cybersecurity alone, if it was a country, it would be third largest country in the world, right, after, after US and China. Right? It's, it's so much money and so much uh, effort spent there uh, just to secure. Now, that trend, especially with the pandemic and hybrid work, are now looking at how they can secure and focus their efforts there. And with identity becoming the focal area, they are also looking at an ability to secure that and simplify and automate. And because of the shortage of the, the cyber uh, staff, automation is, is the way. And they are obviously looking at ways to automate and then simplify the whole deployment model. And so many questions I could ask. <laughs> let's see where, where to go next. Cause I, let's talk about the automation. Cause if, if you automate, automate something that's not well-defined, you're, you're just speeding up errors and things like that. Right. And amplifying mm -hmm. the, 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 whatever it is, you're amplifying it good or bad. Uh, and it sounds like with, with the automation, you're also abstracting some of the details that perhaps the team may not need to know, which if they tried to figure out, they might make human errors anyway. So I think what I'm trying to get at is the automation is a way to kind of not just speed things up, but perhaps also to reduce human error. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you have any examples of where that is true, if in fact I'm uh, capturing that correctly. Yeah, so uh, uh, we've, we've had a lot of success stories, um, uh, uh, you know, customers who are automated and then reduce their time to value or, or, or total time of uh, time to value for a particular change or uh, the time taken to implement a change from days to hours, right? And it frees up. See, automation is not about, you know, cutting a bunch of people and then, you know, doing the, the repetitive task and all that. It is about upskilling your existing staff to think about how we can optimize instead of focusing on doing the day-to-day -day task. What would be, how can we do this better and how can we automate this so that the process is streamlined? So that thought process comes into the teams and that's what we have seen enables a successful organization to sort of upskill themselves. See, if you need a completely new team to come and automate, it is very difficult. It is it, because it's it, there is again it, it, the, the 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 technology can only do so much, but there is a political angle which sort of uh, uh, you know derails things. What we have done is we have leveraged the existing teams enable them to automate so that it, it one it makes their life easier they don't have to wake up at 2 a.m in the morning to do something and whatnot and then they are also 
instead of doing a mundane operational task, they are upskilling themselves to look at a more uh, strategic thinking as to what I can do to optimize or get it better. It's a con automation is a continual process. A continue it has to evolve. It has to continuously be uh, enhanced. Now you are basically enabling that particular uh, member or or the employee to think differently, think in a more strategic sense instead of just doing operational tasks. And that is when they become champions and enable, you know, or rather enable the team and enable themselves to start thinking that way and then to to show value, to show business value. And and there are a whole, whole bunch of uh, uh, success stories, uh, customer success stories, use cases, where we have seen, um, you know, I, I, I was uh, traveling to Australia to meet a customer. We were in Uber and he was implementing changes with his laptop while we were there. And he was showing me how he was able to do that with that UX. Right? So that is, that's cool. It's cool to see that they are able to, I mean, he is not stuck in office. If, if it was, uh, if it's otherwise, he would be in office sitting there in front of the desk and doing things while we were driving to dinner, rather uh, Ubering to dinner. And while going there, we, he was able to finish his task, which was scheduled to be completed at that time. And he was just making sure things were uh, running and uh, the results were there. So that enables him, right? And that the moment that it enables him, he becomes a champion for automation and it becomes a fan of automation. And he is then starting to think, okay, what else can I do right, to, to make it better? And on, on that note, um, innovation and being a champion for, for not just automation, but for doing things in a better way, um, what's, uh, what's on the horizon for AppUX? I mean, we, we briefly touched on machine to machine. I don't know if, if IoT is a big driver, any, any additional changes in cloud or drivers, I don't know, ICS. I don't know, what, what's, uh, what's on the horizon? Yeah, see, there is a there is a huge uh, focus or the huge uh, um, interest in terms of IOTs because again everything is now connected, and when everything is connected, identity becomes the the central focus area for that. Automating uh, IoT onboarding uh, device, I mean any any device uh, per se, right? And then security, having that app perspective security right? and, and looking at consolidating all the tools to provide an integrated way of managing it. So those, those are some of the, the interesting things that you would uh, hear from us uh, where you, you have a single pane for, uh, for a life cycle of a device and security of the device, right? life cycle security of the device. Yeah, I think that's, that's what is uh, upcoming. I love it. And uh, for those listening, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll have a chance to link to some resources, perhaps some case studies to help further um, visualize and, and understand how different organizations, large and small, uh, can leverage App UX. Uh, Morali, uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. I have 100 questions in my head still, but uh, we're, we're going to leave it here. We'll let people soak in and absorb everything you had to say today. 
um, no question, uh, helping developers be agile uh, is critical and doing so in a way that doesn't overload them with security problems or, or tasks or challenges, but does it in a way that, uh, that the security team knows it's being done and, and the app team can actually just do what they need to do and, and continue to innovate. So, uh, fantastic to chat with you. Appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully we'll get to do that again. Likewise, Sean. It was great talking to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Thank you.